Today is Transfiguration Sunday, traditionally. And that is a Sunday when we celebrate and remember what happened when Jesus and his disciples went up the mountain to pray. And as they were praying, the Bible says a very bright light came down from heaven. And, you know, the, the, the image of Jesus changed. It was glowing. And, you know, it was so impactful that Peter looked around and said, wow, we're not leaving this place anymore. Build three tabernacles. We want to stay here. Because what they experienced was something they didn't want to lose. I pray this morning you'll experience something you will never want to lose. Amen. That you'll experience God. You'll encounter the Holy Spirit. And that is really what happens when we open our hearts to the Lord. That's what happens when we say to the Lord, here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you are my God. So make it personal. Make it personal. Open your heart to him and allow him to fill you afresh. Uh, Psalm 99 Verses 1 to 4, we see there. It says, The Lord reigns, let the nations tremble. He sits enthroned between the cherubim, let the earth shake. Great is the Lord in Zion, he is exalted over all the nations. Let them praise your great and awesome name. He is holy. The king is mighty. He loves justice. You have established equity in Jacob. You have done what is just and right. Father, Lord, we give praise and honor to you. Lord, on this transformation Sunday, on this transfiguration Sunday, let it not just be, Father, traditions, but let it be an encounter with you. We pray, Holy Spirit, that your presence will fill this place, fill our hearts. Empower us, O oh God, by your anointing. We pray, Father, Lord Almighty, whatever they are, that are the thorns that prick and make us uncomfortable, that make us, Lord Almighty, your word, not to generate fruit in us. Lord, we pray that all those will be cut down, that, Lord, we will have the liberty to worship you in spirit and in truth. Thank you, Father, for the worship team and everyone else who in one way or the other is part of leading this service today. And we pray your anointing upon every one of us. Thank you for hearing our prayer. And may your name be exalted. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. We have three Bible readings this morning. Um, the first is from um, Jeremiah, chapter 4, verses 1 to 4. Jeremiah, chapter 4, verses 1 to 4. If you will return, O Israel, return to me, declares the Lord. If you put your detestable idols out of my sight and no longer go astray, 
and if in a truthful, just and righteous way, you swear as surely as the Lord lives, then the nations will be blessed by him, and in him they will glory. This is what the Lord says to the men of Judah and to Jerusalem. Break up your unplowed ground and do not sow among thorns. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord. Circumcise your hearts, you men of Judah and people of Jerusalem, or my wrath will break out and burn like fire because of the evil you have done. Burn with no one to quench it. And the next one, um, Matthew 13, 22. Matthew 13, 22. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. And finally, Second Peter's chapter 1. 2 Peter's 1, um, 16 to 21. We did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. And we have the word of the prophets made more certain, and you will do well to pay attention to it, as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, Lord Almighty, we give thanks to you this morning. And we're so grateful, Lord, for your word. Your word is life. Your word is power. Lord, there's nothing that you cannot do. And we pray this morning, open our eyes to see, open our ears to hear, open our hearts to receive from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I'm sure as the young people were telling us about their experience of the garden, that you also would have thought of what you do when you go out to the garden, some of the experiences you have had with all the, um, you know, um, what do you call it, the plants you have, and how you've been able to manage your garden. When you moved to where you live currently, 
who knows, it probably wasn't as good as it is right now. Or has it gone worse? <laughs> but if you are someone who loves gardening, you always be out there trying to do something. Cut the branches when they overgrow and are extending across your drive and you can't get in there if it's that kind of narrow, you know, drive or walk into your house. Or maybe you have decided to turn it into a garden where you have to plant some food plants, you know, cabbage, carrots, potato. I planted potato the other year, and I got some. And that was really rewarding, cooking potato that I, cook, I planted in the garden. I've planted um, tomatoes. And, you know, it's produced quite well, but the last one I planted didn't really do well. <laughs> it died before. In fact, for those who came when we had the... Um, uh, the, the barbecue, if you look to the side, you probably saw all the dead, you know, tomato plants. Because for some reason, the weather, or is it the ground, I don't know what happened, but it couldn't really do well. So this morning, we are continuing building on our conversation around, you know, these different kinds of soils that we have. In Matthew, in Mark, in Luke, those three synoptic gospels have this particular parable. They were all captured in those, you know, gospels. And you'll find them. Now, reading in Matthew, we were told what each of those elements were. And, you know, one of them is that soil that had weeds and thorny weeds for that matter. And remember we talked about bramble and you can see the bramble berry there. But in that you can also see the thorns. The thorns are there, the spikes. So if you're going to harvest the berry, you have to be careful with your finger because otherwise it's going to prick you. But then what's a weed? A weed is an unwanted plant or a plant that is in the wrong place. So it could be tomato. But if in your front lawn you just want a nice, smooth, grassy lawn, you don't want tomatoes to be springing up here and there. So it's a weed. Even though it's a plant that is profitable, but it's a weed. So it's not needed there. I mean, the other day we talked about the seed that was sown, and maybe birds picked it. It did feed the birds, but it wasn't meant to feed the birds. They were meant to do or to reproduce, to regenerate and produce more fruit. So when you have weeds in the garden, no matter what kind of plants they are, they need to be cut down and removed for you to have the kind of garden or the kind of lawn they actually want. So a good gardener would take time to ensure that 
they tend their plant very well. You see that person? You can see the concentration in how much water they are pouring. They seem to just look at it and make sure they are not overwatering the plant. They are making sure the water is landing at the right place. So, having seen all these different kinds of soil conditions, whether roadside or the rocks or the thorns, and by next Sunday, when Reverend Bob Street will be here, he will be capping up all of these, talking about the good soil. So, but last Sunday I did say that the grounds represent our hearts. It's not, you see, when Jesus uses illustrations, he uses them to point to something. When he saw this woman at the well, Jesus went to ask for water. But there is a reason why Jesus was having that conversation to point that woman to the water of life. That when he finally landed there, the woman said, wow, could you give me this water so that I don't come back here to fetch? But she didn't understand that Jesus was not talking about that kind of water. Just like, you know, the man who said to Jesus, we are talking about being born again. Do I have to get into my mother's womb and be born a second time? No, Jesus was talking of a different kind of birth. You've been born physically, but there's a new birth, the rebirth that makes us children of God. And so we have to take that next step. And so we see here what kind of plants the sower has sown is because that's what they want to grow in that field. So the question is, is this the parable of the sower or of the soil? Because when you now begin to read through, you begin to see that the concentration of the conversation was not really about the sower, but about what? The soil. In fact, it wasn't really about the seed itself. The sower was known, the seed was taken for granted, the seed didn't have the problem because wherever you put the seed, it had potential of growing. But the problem was what? The ground that received the seed. So how did the ground receive the seed? The first one we were told, received it, you know, very, very happy, excited to receive the word. But after that, what happened? There was nothing that happened because, oh, no, no, the first one was the, 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 the roadside. Actually, that one didn't have anything to do. As soon as it fell, you know, the birds did what came and picked it. Now, the roadside is a hard ground because people are stomping on it. Every day, people are moving up and down. If you do take a walk, sometimes you go out in the field, don't you? And now, in those fields, there are places where they were not particularly meant to be walkways, but people's walk have made it become a path. So, if you want to plant anything there, it can't grow because it becomes very hard. So, people have stomped on it so much that it has nothing to give. So, but we also see that the sower had this generosity that he was just happy to keep doing what? Spreading. Spreading. He didn't want to say, okay, this place, 
is the hard ground. This place is the thorny ground. No, he just kept spreading. The God, God keeps spreading his word. He keeps sending people to us. Remember that story of a man who died and went to glory. And this man realized then that he made a mistake. He didn't know the Lord. And he was in the wrong place. And he said, Lord, please help me. Send Lazarus to drop some water. I'm thirsty. He said, sorry, there's a divide here. He said, okay, if nothing can be done for me, can you send someone to go and tell my family so that they don't make the same mistake to come here where I am? He said, well, there are prophets and teachers who are speaking. If they listen, they will be able to stop themselves from getting where you are. So even if someone comes from here to go there to tell them, they'll still not listen. Because they ask, you know, maybe, oh, how do you know? You know, like someone says, they died and went to heaven and came back to life. People say, oh, come on, that's just a fairy, you know, story. How do you know? Anyone who doesn't want to believe will not want to believe. They will find reason why they don't want to do what? Believe. They will argue. Um, Andy goes out there to give out New Testament Bibles to people. Some people receive it. Others, they, they just pass. In fact, they don't even look, want to look his way. They just keep going. Others will be bold enough to say, I don't want that. I don't want that. You know, so it's personal choice. People choose what they want to do. But God is happy to keep spreading. He's so generous, he's not thinking. Like some people will say, well, in this story, why did the sower go and drop the seed on the path or on the stony ground? Why will he do that? But remember, this is an illustration of hearts. And so God does not give up on anyone at all. God is always reaching out to people. And we read, you know, the other Sunday where God was saying to Israel, I will remove the stoniness in your heart and I'll give you a heart of flesh. So you can see there, you know, the different kinds of soil in different places. Where is it that we are located? Now there is responsibility, as we said last Sunday, that we each have to decide what we want to do. And you can see each of those patches of blocks of land produce different kinds of things. And so, if you allowed it to become a stony heart, then it's not be, going to be a soil that can reproduce. Now, someone took their time to say the, 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 the pathway is more about the unbelievers who don't want to believe. Say, no, I won't. I, I don't want to have any of those. Please don't bring it here. And so they don't want to listen. Because when the seed falls, of course, the devil, the Bible tells us the devil comes and picks it. He's that bird that comes to pick it. He doesn't want it to germinate because he knows this person is going to change. But the devil decides to find reason why they shouldn't listen. And he blocks it. And he picks it. He takes it away. And then the rocky ground is about disbelievers. People say, oh, no, I can't just get my head around it. No, I can't just believe this. This is not possible. You know? Now, that's, that's the, the, the very rocky, stony heart that won't allow the word to go in. 
that disbelieve. They said, no, how do you know this Bible is true? Any person could write these things. But we read in 2 Peter chapter 1, the Bible says, the scripture we have received is not just a tale, it's not a fairy tale. They're inspired by God. God gave words of instruction to people before us to bring this word. Is the word of God written. So these are disbelievers who don't want to. And then the thorny ground then today is make-believers, it says they are. Well, am I to what you see? Yeah, no, if it's possible. Why not? Yes, it's good to be open-minded. You know, so those kinds of things. But as the world is growing out, because they've allowed other things to occupy the space of their heart, then it becomes difficult for this plant to really be studied, to grow very well and reproduce as expected. So, again, these people could be in the church. People who come to church and they read the Bible and they listen to the word. No wonder Jesus was saying, because the first time I read that scripture, it made me to think. Why would Jesus say, people who call me Lord, Lord, that some of them will not enter the kingdom of God? Why? It worried me because I thought, okay, but I believe. So do you mean, Lord, if on the day of the resurrection I come, you say, no, you don't know me. But the Lord was saying, no, it's really about people's hearts. Are they totally sold out to God? Or are there people who believe, well, this is one way. There are other ways. You know, you've heard people say that. You know, yeah, Jesus is one way. But no, the Bible says he is the way, the truth, and the life. It's not just one way, among other ways. So, it's important for us to know. And then the good soul is a true believer who says, I will. I will follow Jesus. I will give my life to Jesus. You know, I was disappointed a couple of weeks ago, when the um, Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby, stood out in the Anglican Synod and firmly voted and led the whole church to take a position that was antithetic to where the church has been for generations. Now, he has his choice, like anyone else. After coming out in the open to do that, then he goes to Ghana on a trip. And he says to them, oh, you know, I was being threatened by the parliament to do what I did. Really? The Archbishop of Canterbury, the head of the whole Anglican communion across the world, saying he was threatened. Did anybody put a gun to his head? There are people in Syria who are believers, Christians, in Iraq and Iran, who are being threatened. In Pakistan, who are being lynched to death because they believe in Christ. And someone who is supposed to be an example is telling us he was threatened. So what will you say to that believer who is looking up to you, who is in that place in northern Nigeria where they are killing people because of their faith in Christ? What will you say to them? They should give up their faith then. 
Because if you, who should be the exemplar that they're looking up to, is able to say that, then they have every reason not to believe. So that which is really something that's important to us as believers. To know that when you have believed in Christ, you believe totally and wholly, there's no going back. You remember that song? I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. That's the believer who really truly believes in Christ. And they are ready like those in Libya a few years ago. I was really moved. And if there was any reason, any doubt in my heart, that incident made me to say, God, if these believers with the threat of a knife in their truth will stand firm and say we will not recant our faith, then Lord, don't ever let me come to that kind of place where I will refuse or where I will reject you. Because those people paid the big price. There is a Jewish, you know, um, writing. It talks about disciples. It says there are four types of disciples. Number one, those who are quick to learn, in, in, in a way, it actually fits in with this soil we're talking about. It says those who are quick to learn and quick to lose. They're quick, 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 receive, 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 and then it's all gone. It evaporates. They are quick to learn and quick to do what? To lose. Then number two, you know, I mean, okay, it says his gain is canceled by the loss. Then number two, those who are slow to learn and also what? Slow to lose. They are slow to learn, but they are also what? Slow to lose. It takes time. So his loss is canceled by his gain. And then number three, those who are quick to learn and slow to lose. They are quick to learn, but they keep gathering and gathering and holding firm to what they have learned, but they are slow to lose. And the good thing about this is that this is the good portion. This is the good soil. And then number four, those who are slow to learn and quick to lose. <laughs> They learn slowly, but quickly they lose everything. It says this is the evil portion. You think about where, you know, the Bible says the explanation of the roadside one. It says the devil comes to pick and take everything. They are quick to lose, you know. Slow to learn. Takes time for them. But even the one they are learning, the devil is already picking it up before it finds any good ground. So, Let's do a quick one now, okay? There's no tables here, but just within your row of seats. Quickly, quickly, for you, this thorny ground, what does it constitute for you seeing, listening, thinking about it? And then how can I prevent myself? Remember those questions last Sunday? 
and other believers from becoming a thorny ground this time. Okay, quickly, we have two, three minutes to do that. This thorny ground, what for you does it represent today? We're not talking of the time of Jesus. For you today, for us today, what does it represent? Quickly, yes? Okay, wonderful. I can see this conversation is getting exciting, but sorry, we have to cut it. <laughs> I'll just have one or two responses. Who wants to tell us what in their own in a row of seat you discussed about? Yes, Angela. This is not specific, but the thorny ground, I think, often is the pressures of life. Pressures of life. Yeah? Pressures of life. Pressures or pressures. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. There are two things. All right. Gates? Outside um, distractions like the media or outside influences like the media. And yeah. in, in this day and age, talking about media, you know, all those distractions when you have, I must come to you, all those distractions, you pick up your phone, you know, you're doing something in the middle of praying, a phone call comes through, or you hear the ping of notification of uh, a text message, you stop your prayer to read the text message but yeah it happens yes what we feed grows what we feed grows fantastic what we feed grows that's very good if you feed the wrong thing the wrong thing will do what grow if you feed the right thing it will also do what Grow. I like that. That's fantastic. Okay, maybe one more. One more? Okay. Nenu. There is, um, with, with so much entertainment happening, um, people don't really spend so much time with God, so it's so easy. It's sort of that um, maybe quick learn, quick loss. We hear a lot, and then we lose that. And, and I think it ties in with what the young people said about what we feed grows. So we don't feed the spirit, so we lose the spirit. Yeah. Very, very important. Oh, okay, June. <laughs> I will give you. I will give you. <laughs> um, people pleasing, fear of man, compromising, avoiding things. <laughs> yes, yes. In our day and age, it's about pleasing people. What do people want? You know, people pleasing and compromising your faith just because you want people to be happy. You know, but I think, first of all, it's about pleasing the Lord. That's why he is Lord. Being Lord means he directs, he commands, he is in charge, he is in control. So, beginning to round it up, we see then that what was said to be these thorns in the Bible are the worries of life or the care of this world. What is it that I'm thinking about that is taking my attention away from God? I'm so, you know, concerned about it. I'm not giving God the time. And so when it's time for prayer, I say, oh, no, I'm busy. You know, I spoke with a young man the other day, and I asked him, were you in church last Sunday? Not here. He lives somewhere else. But 
you know, um, young, young person who was supposed to be in church that Sunday. He said, did you go to church? He said, no, I was busy doing something. Oh, wow. They're busy doing something. You know, there's, there's so much that can give us excuses why we couldn't worship. Now, number two, he said the deceitfulness of wealth. The pursuit of wealth is something. The scripture didn't say money is evil. Let's be very, very straight here. A lot of times people say money is the root of all evils. No, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says the love of money is the love of money. That's the root. Because people are pursuing money. They are not actually asking God, how do I do this? But no, they are able to bring someone down so far as it helps them get more money. They are able to write books about people so far as it makes their books sell more and they are able to get more money. They can denounce and do everything just in order to do what? Get more money. So the roots. And then it says the desire of other things, for other things. What am I desiring that is against my faith, that is standing between me and God? The desire of other things. Those other things could be just anything. The list is endless. But in those scriptures, if you read Mark and Luke, you will see it talks about immaturity. That the, the seed doesn't have time to mature. So immaturity in the faith is some of the thorns. But, you know, looking at it more, these are the make-believers, as I said before. So the thorns are prickly, they're aggressive, they come at you. You have to be careful. They're not comfortable when you have the thorns. Paul said, I was praying that God would take away what? The thorn in my flesh. There are other kinds of thorns. Even as a believer, thorns can grow. And we're going to read the scripture in just a moment. So it has a chokehold that wants to stop us from growing. And then it makes the world short-lived in us. It's important for us to make sure then we don't allow these weeds to grow. What did Jesus say? That in verse 25, while everyone was sleeping, his enemy. That's in chapter 13. The second parable Jesus told, he says, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone did what? Slept. While they were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed what? Weeds. In that same ground where the good seed fell, the enemy came and did what? Sowed wheat. The weeds were growing with the wheat. So it's important for us then to be careful. The Bible says watch and pray so that you don't enter into temptation. And we should always watch out when the devil is trying to sow those things. Now Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23 tells us, above all else, can we read it together? One, two, go. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. So it is then our responsibility, remember, to guard our hearts. To ensure that the enemy doesn't come to sow doubt, to sow fear, 
to sow, the things that will make you to begin to wonder. This thing I've believed all these years, how am I sure it is true? That's the enemy sowing doubts. And Jeremiah tells us in chapter 4 that we read, break up your unplowed grounds and do not sow among thorns. So it is us. The gardener God is always spreading, but are we cutting down the weed so that he'll be able to plant the right kind of seed? So in order to break up your unplowed ground, what do you do? I'm now rushing, so I want to make sure we get some of these important, you know, lessons. Number one, burn away the thorns. Don't let them grow. Burn them. Two, remove the rocks. Break the ground. And make sure you close the path. If you are a farmer and people have made a path in the middle of your farm, you don't let it happen. You make sure you fence it off. People can walk around the edge of the farm, but not across the middle of your farm and killing your plants. So that is what he's saying there. Close it. Refuse to be trampled under. The devil wants to trample upon us. No. But we are seated with Christ in where? In heavenly places. If we allow all those thoughts that the enemy brings, it only comes to trample us. And so, receive the word, respond to his call, watch out to the sower of the weeds, but cooperate with the farmer God. Don't allow those seeds to be thrown into your garden because it's your heart. Don't allow those things. Whether they are cares of life, yeah, it's good to care about things, but don't allow it to trip you or trick you from serving your God and your Father. Prayer here, the psalmist was praying, which we're going to end with. He says, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who did what? Who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. They were responding, and we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes as the prayer. Lord, restore our fortunes like the streams in the Negev. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. You can reap because this is the year of our fruitfulness. Let us pray. Father, Lord Almighty, we thank you. We come before you, Lord, and we ask by your mercy, by your power, you give us the boldness to withstand the enemy that wants to trample the word, the seed that is sown. Help us, Father, to cut down the bushes that are trying, O oh God Almighty, to kill the real plants that you have sown in us. Lord, restore to us the season of your harvest. Restore to us the years that the canker worm, the palmer worms, all the worms have eaten. That, Lord, there will be a time of refreshing from your presence. And so, Lord, we thank you this morning. Because as we are on this journey, you are taking us to the point where we become the real good soil. The soil that you have prepared for a great harvest in this year, 2023. 
that Lord will not allow all these other distractions and obstructions to stop us from making your word produce fruit in our hearts. Thank you, Father, for hearing our prayer. And we pray with thanksgiving in Jesus' name. Amen.